welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 14th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew 5, verse 8. All right, it's good to see everyone here this morning, and if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew 5, and we'll be in verse 8, Matthew 5 and verse 8, and just for those who may have missed a few Sundays here or there, um, we've been going through chapter 5, and, and we're dealing with the, the Beatitudes, and basically showing us what kind of attitudes we as Christians should have and maintain in our lives. And we have to understand that these aren't attitudes that we ourselves can do. These are attitudes that the Holy Spirit that is in us enables us to do. Because if, if we do it on our own, we'll go so far, then we'll, we'll, we, we won't be able to go any further because we'll begin to see our own shortcomings. And so as we've gone through these, back, going back as far back to verse 3, we saw the first attitude of living in the Spirit of God, and that was simply to be poor in spirit. Otherwise, to have that godly humility that is required in, in, in a Christian's life. Uh, we can't live a life of pride. And so we need that humility because that is what allows the Holy Spirit in us to do His work, the Father's plan for our lives through us. That second attitude we looked at builds off that first one of humility. In verse 4, it enables us to mourn over our sin. Otherwise, we need to have some godly sorrow in our lives. And, it's so, and that's what helps us to reconcile relationships. One, reconcile us between God, make sure we're walking faithfully, taking care of that daily sin, but also reconcile relationships between fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, because sin has a way of separating us and dividing us. And so the way God has forgiven us and the way he has uplifted us, we are to do the same toward our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, our third, this leads to our third attitude that we're supposed to have in verse 5. That's that hidden man of the heart. Otherwise, that godly meekness. We're supposed to have humility, sorrow, and meekness. And that meekness is where Christ is glorified. We recognize that we are not the ones that need to be glorified. It's not about me. It's about Christ in me, about the Holy Spirit in me and what he is wanting to do. And so God uses uh, this meekness to draw people to himself. When, when your friends, your families who are not Christians begin to see that godly humility and that godly sorrow and that godly meekness in, in you, they're going to go, what in the world is going on with you? Nobody acts this way, but a Christian does when they're following the direction of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. See, the world cannot understand this truth of those that are living by the Spirit of God. And so for many, it'll lead them to Jesus. Now, for others, it'll push them away. And we have to understand that's the way it is. Um, and so... We need to make sure we're doing our part. And, and those, three, those three first three attitudes we will look at as spiritual poverty, our spiritual poverty in Christ. So when you hear me saying that, that's what it refers to, those three attitudes. And then the next three verses, uh, 6, 7, and 8, we, we're looking at our spiritual passion. Because, folks, if we have those first three in our lives, we are going to have a passion for Christ. We are going to, and, and that first one that comes up, with, with that passion is found in verse 6, where 
We are going to have that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Otherwise, we, we won't be able to get enough of the Word of God. We're going to want to just not only just read the Bible, but we're going to want to learn the Bible. We want to take it from head knowledge to a heart knowledge that changes our behavior. After all, these attitudes are things that should change our behavior. And as a Christian, if our behavior never changes, then folks, who are we following? That's a question we got to ask. If we're following Christ, I guarantee you our behavior is going to change. Now, we're not going to be perfect. We're still going to sin, but that's where these other attitudes come in, of humbling ourselves and being sorry for sin and having that meekness. We're, we, we take care of those sins on a daily basis. We deal with those. And, and that's what leads to that passion in our lives for the Word of God because it's the Word of God that cleanses us, that does these things. It clearly shows us if we are walking in the Spirit of God or if we're walking by the flesh. And we all know what walking by the flesh is, involves, right? Because before we got saved, that's the way we all lived our lives. We, whatever suits me, whatever, it's all about me. That's the way it is for someone who's not a Christian. And unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that still hold on to those viewpoints, still hold on to those things because they've never grown to maturity in Christ. And so this is what we're looking at here. And Jesus is teaching his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount this. He's, he's teaching believers. It's not the whole crowds. It's just his disciples he's teaching here. And he's teaching them how to live in the fullness of God. And that fifth attitude in our spiritual passion is that of mercy. We need to be willing not only to receive mercy, but as a child of God, to give out mercy. You know, we cannot begin reconciliation of anyone until the person that was wronged gives the one who wronged them mercy. They don't deserve it. No, they don't. But did we deserve Christ's mercy, God's mercy, on the cross? No, we didn't, but he, but he gave it to us so that we could be reconciled. And that's what we see. That should be part of our spiritual passion, that hunger and thirst for righteousness and that mercy that only God gives. Now, this last one we're looking at here this morning, and it's found in verse 8. It deals with being pure in heart. Pure in heart. And now, remember, all of these things, all these attitudes we're talking about here they are blessings of God. Because what, what, what does each of, what, each of these verses begin with one word? That word, blessed. Blessed. That's makarios. And there's many forms of that word. And it refers to the one that possesses God's favor. Possesses God's favor. As a child of God, as a Christian, you possess the favor of God as you're walking in the Spirit of God. You're allowing the Holy Spirit in you to change who you are so that God's work in and through you can be accomplished, His plan. Because God has a plan for your life, He has a plan for my life, and yours is different than mine. He has works for you to do that He has orchestrated even before you were born. Before time began, He had these works. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. We're to walk in those works. But folks, we can only walk in those works if we have the spiritual poverty and we have the spiritual passion that God gives through these 
Beatitudes here. And that's what he's teaching his disciples, that they are blessed. They, have, they, are, they, they, are, they, they are able to live in that state where the Spirit of God results in them being fully satisfied regardless of what is going on around them. Whether, regardless whether they're rich or poor, healthy or not healthy, it doesn't matter to the child of God because they're walking in the fullness of Christ. And they know that God has a plan and they're submitting themselves to that plan. Okay? And that's what we need to understand. And so the, for this last uh, attitude here under spiritual passion, it is pure in heart. So the, the verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray real quick before we go further. Lord God, we come before you. And Father, you're God. You have all things in hand. You know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. And Lord, you have taken time in your existence and made me a priority, made these sitting in this this church a priority in your life to have a personal relationship with them. And you've given us your word to teach us how we are to walk in the spirit of God. Lord, may we hear from you today. May you touch our hearts as only you can. In the holy and precious name of Jesus, amen. And so we look at this word, or blessed are the pure. That word pure, it refers to being clean from the pollution and guilt of sin. It's talking about someone who is upright, void of evil. That's what this word pure refers to. Now, it does not mean sinless. Okay, otherwise we would fall short very much. There will come a time when a child in a Christian's life when we will become sinless, but not until we meet Jesus face to face, okay? And we're taken out of this world. Then we are in that new body. But right now we're in this body, this old body that he has made new from the inside out. And so we have to understand that sin is still going to be involved in our lives. And the only reason it's involved is because we allow it to take place. I was reading a, my, a little devotional this morning, and, and, and it talked about, you know, when, when, when we became a Christian, the old life, old man was put in the grave, was dead, a corpse, right? And so can a corpse be affected by sin? No. A corpse can't be affected by anything. And so how, how are we affected by sin if our old man's been crucified, been laid in the grave as a corpse. And I've mentioned this before. Well, what we do, we go in and we, I like that sin. I'm going to dig it, get, dig it up. I'm going to carry that corpse, corpse on my back because I, I like that sin. That's what we end up doing. That's literally the picture that when we're sinning, that's what we're doing. We're, we're carrying around that dead corpse that Christ died for and, put and buried in the ground. We dug it back up and are carrying it around with us. We need to put it back in the grave. Okay. If we sin because we allow it sin to take place. And so it doesn't mean sinless, but it refers to one who has been obedient to the truth by doing what the scriptures have said and have confessed their sin and have made the amends. Okay? So when we are being pure, 
here, it means we're being obedient to the scriptures. So when the scriptures say this is sin, and all of a sudden I do this, and I read the scriptures and I recognize this is sin, I got to go, yes, that is sin. I'm wrong. The word of God is always right. And confess those sins. That's what we need to be doing. And so we have, we have, what we have to do is, so how does this take place in our lives as a Christian? How does this take place? Well, we find the answers where? In the word of God. Okay, in the word of God. In John chapter 3, verse Chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed, now this is Jesus, he is washed, going about washing his disciples' feet. Okay, and he's gotten to Peter, and he, so Jesus is answering Peter, and he says, He that is washed, otherwise the one that is saved, they're a child of God, they're a true believer, okay? So he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. Otherwise, he's talking about, you got to what Peter, you need to wash your daily sins. You've been saved. You've been redeemed. You need to wash your daily sins. As Christians, we have been redeemed. But we still have daily sins we need to deal with. And so that's what Jesus says. But he that is clean everywhere wit, and ye are clean, except not all. I'm referring to Judas. But So what we're dealing here is nothing with our salvation. What we're dealing with is our daily sin. We need to wash away those daily sins. And so we become clean through our obedience to the Word of God. And believe it or not, it literally says that in the Word of God. In John 15, verse 3, Now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Again, it's important that we understand it's the Word of God that helps us to identify our shortcomings, our, our, our fallings, our sin. Because what does the word God do? Why did God give us his word? To reveal sin in our lives. It points to Jesus who is the justification, who is everything. He's the one that brings about us being able to be redeemed. He is our righteousness. We're not righteous. It's Christ. We are righteous through what Christ has done. And the word of God just reveals that we're lost sinners, or as Christians, it reveals sin that we're continuing to allow take place in our lives. And so one of the main verses that many times I've heard misquoted is 1 John 1, 9, where if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is not, John here is not talking to non-believers. He is talking to Christians. Okay? He's talking to Christians. This is not a passage that you use for salvation. This is a passage that is being used for sanctification, where we need to get our life as a Christian right before God. And so we need to, one, confess our sin. We have to, we have to identify what I said, what I did there was sinful. Even as a Christian, I have to do that. If I don't confess it, guess what? I'm not going to get forgiveness. Then it says, so that's our part. I have to confess the sin. I have to acknowledge my sin. Then it says, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who's he? That's not me. 
It's not you. It's Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that is faithful and just. He is the one that forgives us. Now, he's already forgiven us for all sin, past, present, and future. But for our relationship to, walk, to be right with Christ, for us to be able to walk in the Spirit of God daily, we have to confess sin daily that we commit. Otherwise, our fellowship is not where it needs to be. Just like when we were kids and we did something wrong, we got home and we, want, we wanted to find out, well, did mom and dad find out about this? Well, I'm going to go back and do my laundry. I'm going to pick my clothes up, clean my room. I'm going to clean everything. I'm going to do the dishes that are in the sink. And, and mom and dad get home and look at and look around and say, Todd, what'd you do? <laughs> you know, it's true. That's, that's what happens. Our fellowship is not what it used to be. But we got to confess that sin. Sin changes that relationship when it's not confessed. Okay, We don't lose salvation, but it changes that relationship between us and God. Because we need him, Christ, to forgive us, and then he cleanses us. You know, you know what cleanse means? He takes away the guilt. The problem with all modern psychology today, and I don't mean to offend anybody by saying this, but it's the truth, okay, is they avoid guilt. Of sin. They, they want to blame things that we do wrong on our past, on our, up, our upbringing, our, and our, on circumstances around us. And folks, that's wrong. Sin is sin. We sin. We must confess our sin. That's why biblical counseling is very clear. What's the sin? Have you confessed it? Have you made things right? Because if you have, then the Bible says that God will cleanse us. He will remove that guilt. Now, doesn't mean he's going to remove the consequences. Sometimes those consequences are going to continue. Okay? But he'll be with us to get us through those consequences. And so, to be cleansed, it's something that's only accomplished through God's love. And so when you look in 1, Peter, 1 Timothy 1.5, it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity. Or that word of charity right there refers to love. And it's not any kind of love, folks. This is God's. This is agape love. This is perfect love, which we do not have in our lives. Okay, But this is God's love. And so now the end of the commandment is, is, is charity out of a pure heart. This is why it's so important we confess our sin. So he is faithful and just to cleanse us. And of a good conscience, there's the cleansing, good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. We also see in 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls, how? Through obeying the truth through the Spirit. What's the truth? The Word of God. It's the Word of God that takes and identifies the sin. And then we must confess it for Christ to cleanse us, to forgive us. As Christians, we don't lose our salvation. But we do and can lose our standing in our, in our, in our fellowship with Christ. 
See, this is something not, that's not just New Testament. Even David, King David understood this in Psalm 51.10 where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Even David knew that God's the one that creates a clean heart. God's the one that does that. Now, he didn't have all the understanding that we have today, but he, understand this, he understood this basic truth. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, it's God that does this in our lives by his Holy Spirit. But we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do this work. We have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do it. We can be stubborn. We can be callous. And the Holy Spirit will just wait. And things will build up. And things will build up. Because after all, what, what's the truth about sin? What does all sin lead to? Come on, what is it? Death. And as a Christian, that could very well be, mean fit your physical death. Now, it won't lead to your spiritual death because you're a Christian. But I would sit there and say, better make sure you're saved. Because to go that far and do all those things, and, you know, the Bible's true. Some folks get heaven by the skin of their teeth, basically, because they, they don't have no, no rewards when they get there. Make sure you're saved. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do it. But why are we not willing for the Holy Spirit to do this work many times? Well, it falls back to our spiritual poverty, our spiritual passion, pride. We don't have that humility in our lives. We don't have that sorrow over sin where we hate sin. And we don't have that meekness. We haven't been in God's Word. We're not reading the Bible. We're not studying God's Word. We're not involved in classes, Bible classes. We, we, maybe we just come to church occasionally, and we wonder, you know, why I'm not walking in the Spirit of God. Well, it's pretty obvious. You don't have that spiritual poverty or that spiritual passion the way you should have it. We've become callous to the things of God, and that's what sin does. We just can't say, oh, Lord, forgive me of the sins today, last week. Wrong. You sinned one at a time. you got to confess those sins one at a time. That's why it's best as soon as you sin, the Holy Spirit prompts you, hey, you just sinned. You confess it right there. You get it right. You change it right there. That's the best way to do it. But often that's not how we do it, right? You know, and that's pride stepping in. It's not how we do it. See, Jesus wants to do this in our lives. John chapter 15 and verse, three, verse 2, we, we read verse 3 already, but we'll go back to verse 2. It says, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit is taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit is purged. He purges it, that it brings forth more fruit. Well, here we have, the, this is Jesus uh, talking about what the Father does. Jesus is the branch. I'm sorry, Jesus is the vine. <laughs> All right, Jesus is the vine. And we, as a child of God, are a branch that grows out of the vine. And what does the Father do? He's the vine, vine dresser. He's the one who goes and look, looks at this branch. He examines, this is, this is Todd's branch right here. Wow. Well, he has a little bit of fruit here. 
But you know what? He can have a whole lot more if, if I prune this and prune that and do this and do that. Because those are things that are interfering in my relationship with him. And those things are called sinful attitudes, sin, sin in my life. And so he's going to prune, prune, prune them back. Okay? Now, sometimes the branch gets so out of control or whatever is there, it's easier just to kind of clip that branch off a little bit. Maybe he only leaves about that much left. And he gets rid of it because it just needs, it needs to basically start over. And now you get those little sprouts again and just, you know, sin will be at the point to where you've ruined your life, your testimony on earth, and there's not much left for you. Sometimes God says, I'll take you home. But we have to understand this. All this is done so that we can have a better relationship with Christ. And he is able to, through and in us, through his Holy Spirit, work out God the Father's plan in our lives. And that plan is not always great, in our opinion. It could be painful. It could cause suffering. It could cause a lot of things that we may not like. But it's God's plan, and we know he has the best in store for us. We have to just trust him. We have to trust him. But now it's, it talks about blessed are the pure, but the, this little word is added in heart. Now when you put those two words together, pure in heart, you only see it here in Matthew 5.8. The pure in heart. Meaning those whose center of life has been made pure by Christ. Which means our focus of life is all about Jesus and all that he is doing around us. That's our center. But for many Christians, is Jesus our center? Or is he second or third place? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Nothing wrong with treasures. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with big things, nice things. As long as it's God that's given us those things. And we're using them for his glory. Because whatever God gives us, he expects us as good stewards to use them for his glory. For his purpose. Okay? And so we have to understand that. And so too often... Some of the blessings that God gives us, we use wrong. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Make sure we're, we're using the gifts of God. I'm not talking necessarily spiritual gifts, because he does give us those, but the stewardship gifts that he gives us, are we using them for him or for us? Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Well, how can we do that? Are we confessing our sins? Are we living in, with the spiritual poverty that he requires and the spiritual passion he requires? Then we come boldly before the throne of God in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is why it's so important for us to live this way. 
our passion for Christ, hunger and thirst for his righteousness. We have that passion that, that, that we want to give out mercy to those that don't deserve it, who have wronged us, but we're going to give it out. And, we're, and, we're, and, we, and it's because we, have that, we are pure in heart. And what's the blessing of this? For they shall see God. Now, folks, I believe this is twofold. Because that word see there means to perceive with the eyes, implying not only that you actually saw something, but you actually had the perception, you understood what you're seeing. Okay? And it's twofold. You'll see God. Now, the easiest one is when we go be face to face with Jesus. We're raptured out and we're with God in heaven. Amen. Out of this mortal body and we have our eternal body. Sin is no longer a problem. That's, that's what that means. See, uh, they will see God. Yes, they will. But it also has a more practical application. They will see God every day in their life while they're living on this earth. And that is what so often we as Christians miss out on. Seeing God work in and through us, around us, every day. And it's because of the sin in our lives that we're not willing to confess. Psalm chapter 15, and you won't have this on the, on the slides, so let me turn to it real quick. Talks about this. And I'm going to close with, just, with this chapter right here as I read it. Psalm 15, the man who abides with God, a psalm of David, it says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Otherwise, what, what are you saying? Who shall see God? Wow, isn't that what we're dealing with here? For they shall see God. Well, here it is. Listen to what's said. Verse 2. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Wow. Do we walk uprightly? Do we work righteousness? Unless it's Christ in us doing it, we can't. Do we speak the truth from our heart at all times? Verse 3. He that biteth, backbiteth not with his tongue. How many times do we slander people and say things about them? Whether they're true or not, how many times do we do that? Nor doeth evil to his neighbor. Wow. If, we, if, if people were going to interview our neighbors around us where we live for a long time, would they be good accounts or bad accounts given? Nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Do we say, do we say bad things about our neighbors? Whether they're true or not makes no difference. See, these are the people who David's saying, who shall see God? Well, the ones that are doing these things here. Verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. Wow, what do you do? What, who do we hold company with? If you, have good, if you have close friends, and whether they're Christians or not, and they do wrong to you, Speak up and say, hey, that's not right. Or do we just keep a closed lip about it? 
We, after all, we don't want to offend people. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt. It used to be all he needed was a handshake. And if it turned out to be bad for, for one, all right, he endured, that person endured it and took it to his own hurt because his word was at stake. That's the way Christian's life should be, but so often it's not anymore, is it? Swears to his own hurt and changes not. He that putteth not out his money for usury. You know, is your money for your own gain, your own profit? Or is it for God's glory that you have? Nor taketh reward against the innocent. See, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. They shall see God. Too often in the church today, and I am at fault with this, is we don't see God moving amongst us, so we end up just doing our own things. They're good things, but we're doing our own things. But they're not things that God is leading us to do. And then when God does show us, we're too busy because we're doing our own stuff. Wood, hay, and stubble, that's what that is. We need to get away from that and start having our focus from a pure heart to see the things of God here and now. God has a plan for your life and for my life. But if we don't recognize that plan, we don't see him at work on a daily basis, folks, we're going to miss what he has for us. I hope we don't miss that. We need to have that spiritual poverty, and that spiritual passion. And we're going to find out here in the next couple, next couple Sundays as I preach through verses 9 through 12, those that are living this way, the Bible promises you one thing. God promises you one thing. You will be persecuted. Whew. How many of us as Christians are being persecuted right now? If we're not, because we're not living the way Christ is telling us to live. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.